0: Amen. Um, so, just to uh, once again talk about the importance of prophecy, um, uh, a lot of churches, of, it seems strange to us because we spend so much time looking into prophecy that has already been fulfilled or that which has been predicted out ahead of us. We place such high importance on it, don't um, often connect with the concept that a lot of churches and a lot of pastors avoid it completely. Uh, entirely. Don't touch it. Um, uh, some of them go as far as to uh, refer to it as somehow uh, forbidden or imply that it's forbidden. That it's going to lead people astray. It's going to create cult leaders. It's going to do all kinds of weird things. So um, you know I just want to correct our minds again on prophecy and how significant it is. Uh, a couple different interpretations of percentage, but You know, 26.3, others say as much as almost 30% of the Bible, prophecy, depending on how you look at it. If, uh, you know, you purchased a book, a novel, and uh, 30% of it was not there, uh, you know, doesn't matter where, right? Beginning, middle, end, scattered all throughout, sections removed so that 26.3% of it was missing, you'd want your money back. You'd be upset, right? Um, Why in the world would we think that so much of the scripture uh, is prophecy and yet somehow it shouldn't be studied? So Isaiah chapter 41 verse 21, the nation of Israel uh, had drifted from worshiping God and they had begun to worship idols and God is very upset with them and the idols over this issue and he says to the idols and to the nation of Israel, present your case, says the Lord, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 21. Bring forth your strong reason, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things, what they were, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare to us things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter that we may know that you are gods. Yes, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and see it together. Uh, God is challenging the nation of Israel over their worship of false gods, and he's hanging his authority on prophecy. Uh, Scripture tells us, right, God speaking says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, Uh, the ever-present one. We've talked about that in a few different lights. But the concept that God, it's not that he's in the present with us. We only ever experience the present, and we tend to think of things that way. And uh, God says he is the past. He is the future, that all things are the present to him. So it isn't that he can see the past, right? He's presently experiencing it in present tense. It's difficult for us to grasp. The future, he is presently experiencing it in the present tense, right? He's not trapped inside time like us. I've even heard pastors describe it like he's above time and he can see far down there or way back there. That's not what the scripture says. It says he exists in the past and he exists in the future. He's not confined to time the way that we are. So he can tell us about these things, right? He can tell us about things in the past that the scoffers mock and say, that's not true. That didn't happen that way. You know, Pontius Pilate didn't even exist, they said, for decades until they found Caesarea Philippi on the uh, amphitheater, there, a huge plaque that talked about Pontius Pilate's contributions uh, physically and financially to the development of the entire region. And then they were all feeling really stupid. They didn't say anything, they just sort of skulked off in their misery and kept their mouths shut. They're willing to mock when disproven, right? They don't know the past. God does know. He's there. He knows the future. He's there. So it isn't like, wow, I'm. He was really close, right? You know, Nostradamus, really close. You know, for anybody that ever tells you, Nostradamus was also a prophet. And then he predicted the future. Some things were a little off, right? He predicted World War II. He did. Um, he was way off on the dates, way off. Um, he even predicted uh, Hitler as uh, the leader who would cause so much of that but he gave him the name Histler. You you could hear the devil's serpent tongue whispering in Nostradamus' ear, right? You know, as he reversed him as Histler. Uh, At best, best, you could say Nostradamus was slightly less than 30% accurate, right? At worst, you would say that he was maybe a little more than 15% accurate. Well, who wants to follow that? right? You know, here are some directions. You can follow these in your car as you drive to Portland. By the way, they're only about 30% accurate, right? I mean, forget it, right? Why would you try to navigate from here to eternity based upon someone's predictions that were less than 30% accurate? You know, some of the things that he was hyper accurate on, really strange. Uh, His death, the cause of death and the time of death and the date of death that's not comforting you know what I'm <laughs> when you can predict your own death <clears throat> he was also dug up by grave rob- drunken grave robbers and they were horrified because he had had a plaque made with the date of his being dug up and the time on it that was, that he was holding his corpse was holding in the coffin Again, not comforting, right? You know, really strange, lying wonder, as we're going to talk about. God is accurate. These things are perfect in their accuracy. So, uh, just to get to sort of <coughs> current events and stuff going on, Matthew chapter 24, the uh, Olivet discourse as Jesus is answering the questions of the apostles, uh, Jesus had said the temple, temple would be destroyed. Not one stone left upon another. They ask three questions, really. Uh, But in answering those questions, it becomes known as the Olivet Discourse. And he says there in the midst of it, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. And that's what I'm focusing on. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of heaven will be shaken. I I don't know if you're aware, uh, Bill Gates is actively trying to dim our sun. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, bought wholesale and promoted wholesale this concept of global warming. So you get cool things down. So uh, they have a whole method in place by which they will um, darken Earth's atmosphere and uh, thereby cool our atmosphere. Nothing could possibly go wrong. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. Sounds like i good going tinker with the atmosphere. Right, Andy? Just absolutely Absurd! Uh, you know, I've never seen any science fiction movies about where that went wrong. You know, <clears throat> and this is where, you know, I don't know what they're planning on doing with all of the solar systems that they've installed to generate power. You know, if you're going to dim the sun, um, but you know, Bill Gates is doing it, so surely it's a good plan, right? We should all follow it, wholesale. So, again, might not be the fulfillment of it, but it's just interesting, uh, the way that humanity plays right into God's hands, and uh, things end up being fulfilled. Uh, Again, Revelation chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the power was given to them to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. In case you're wondering, if you're thinking like, Is this just impossible, like, come on, humanity, whatever. Well, 1992, uh, Mount Pinatubo erupted in the Philippines and blasted a pyroclastic cloud 15 miles into the stratosphere. And as it continued to belch out its filth, the rotation of the earth spewed that ash continuously for days and it darkened our entire atmosphere, our entire atmosphere, to the point that the entire Earth's temperature dropped by almost three degrees everywhere. Uh, so it is possible uh, to do these things, you know, to. Uh, darken the atmosphere or destroy the atmosphere and make the sun hotter or God just you know, allows things to transpire. Sun's burning 120 million tons of mass a second. And science has predicted uh, that the chemistry of the sun will change as the fuel source gets lower. Okay, So consider we often say things like I'm running on fumes you know, in your car, right? Well, fumes are more explosive than solid or liquid fuel, and gasoline's fumes are very dangerous, and you get weird reactions in the color of the flame and the heat of the flame and all kinds of things as fuel gets lower, and that's what they're saying is possible. I don't understand. all. I'm not, I'm not a scientist who's trying to talk like I am these things just fascinate me, and this idea that the sun is going to get hotter, the scientists have said quite probable. That as the fuel gets lower, the intensity will change uh, because of the chemistry. So, you know, we'll let them figure that out because I don't plan on being here. I don't know about you. But I have a ticket out, and that's what I'm waiting on. So um, this fourth angel pouring out his bowl upon uh, the uh, sun. Revelation 6, four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, disease comes with the fourth horseman. And um you know, that things we're experiencing now, um, you know i I see most of it as a control element. Um, I'll just say, I was gonna say, you know, release the disease, but you know that's debatable. Uh, I, I got my own opinions on that. but, um, you know, let's just say the disease comes, and they use it to generate control. and um, they were lining up for it, had everything in place for monkeypox, uh, but then the realization that, you know, right now it's it's nearly 100% spread amongst homosexuals through sexual activity. And um, they're trying their best right now to get rid of that stigma and change uh, that so that they can sort of cleanse that out of the issue and just use it the same way they used covid to generate controls and demands upon uh, the populace. Um, I don't know if you're aware of it, but they did the same thing with AIDS. So upon its emergence, uh, it was entirely, and I do mean entirely, 100% amongst homosexuals. Uh, It was actually named GRIDS in the beginning. The American Medical Association named it GRIDS, Gay Related Immune Deficiency Syndrome. And it was the homosexual organizations that demanded incessantly that they change the name. And it lasted for years. They did not change the name to AIDS Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome until much later when heterosexual people were getting it. But that was, you know, the crossover was from the homosexual population. And uh, the um, intravenous blood transfusions uh, were contaminated by it. And so, you know, then it's become much more widespread. But then they just capitalized on those few issues and they just demanded this has to change. It's not just gay people who are getting it. Look, there are six other people that got it also. You know That was sort of the attitude. So um, this idea of the disease and the fourth horseman, we're not there yet. Precursors, right? You know, you're looking at birth pains building up to uh, the real event. Um, they, the governments of the world always use fear to make unwanted changes, 100% of the time, um, I'm sure you're aware that during COVID there were big cries about how uh, contaminated the money was. Okay? It's a ridiculous thought that that money was how COVID was being spread. It's a respiratory illness, you know. It's it's being spread by breathing. You know that's that's how it was coming down, but they wanted to. Uh, to uh, convert us over to a, a cashless society and a one-world money system then. So we're going to see more and more of these things transpire as time goes by. Uh, if you're getting the sense that I'm just rambling, uh, you caught me. I'm just, I've, I've compiled a huge number of things here, and I'm just going to run through them because of, of where we are. Um, Revelation chapter 6, verse 6 says, I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quarter of wheat for a denarius, three quarts, of uh, barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Okay, so um, lots of debate in the commentaries about you know what is what is the issue. You've got food sources that are unthinkably expensive, and then in contrast, this proclamation of don't harm the oil and the wine. Well, um, have you noticed? that uh, we all have to function under great restrictions and stay in certain places and wear, you know, 17 masks at a time and, um, you know, probably tape up our windows and I'm exaggerating how many other things they want us to do. But they can all go to parties. Did you see that? They can fly on their private jets and they can arrive and, you know, shoot their mask across the room and, uh, you know, drink and party with their friends. Uh, it, it is very much that sense of class separation, that you're going to have those who can't even get food to feed their family for a single day, and those who are still living the jet-set life as though nothing's going on. So, you know, you see the precursors now, right, wait until you actually get to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, you know, one quarter of the world's population, as I mentioned this morning, dead in the first three and a half years. They're just going to be mounding bodies up in places because they don't even have the ability to bury them. And yet they'll still be having their parties. I guarantee you, there's there's still uh, you know sorcery pharmacia right class. We know enough about uh, the source of that word. Uh, you know, sor- sorcery pharmacia. The word is pharmacia. That's where your pharmaceutical pharmacist. The idea of drugs. Uh, from uh, you read the book of Revelation and uh, all these horrific sins and all these terrible things going on, and they would not repent of their sorceries, right? And murder and mayhem and death and blood and plagues and boils, and and they would not repent of their sorceries. Uh, It it is, you know, going to be that. So, right, close churches, but keep the pot stores open, okay? Um, You know, these things are clearly laid out in the Scripture, and, you know, long ago we had to sort of squint to make them out and see and, you know, like, what is, could that be? And now it's so in-your-face blatant that it's really astonishing. Um, Chuck Smith was the first one that I heard talk about. The signs, uh, and they're coming in, the birth pains, and he made that correlation. You know, he used California uh, locations as the illustration. But, like, you know, here, you want to go to Portland, Right you leave the church route three probably into Brewer to catch 395 to 95 and you head south and uh, you're not going to see a sign indicating that Portland is you're even headed the right direction until you get after Newport right you're gonna travel for over an hour and a half before you even see one sign and you'll see one sign in Portland you know and and you drive a long ways before you see a second sign, and the closer you get, there's a sign, and there's, and then it's just signs, and then you get right in this city, and it's exit, 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 right. and that, and that's what the scripture is indicating about the signs, the signs of Jesus coming, the signs of the end are going to happen this way. you know you, you, You're told and you believe and you're headed that direction. but it's a long time before you can see the first actual sign, and you're like, "Oh wow, no kidding." We are headed to the end. And then another. Boy, they're coming rapid fire right now, aren't they? Things really are just kicking off quick. So be encouraged by that, right? Because us reaching the end is a hopeful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Where we don't have to be overwhelmed and concerned about uh, you know how these things are going uh, to transpire. Um Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, uh, referencing the number of the beast, uh, he causes all both great and small, uh, great and rich rather, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I, ju- I want to point out a little thing about Pet Peeve, Will cast Pet Peeve. Um, the you know, so like today I was asked like why do you have those tattoos on your forearms, and I said well you know Hebrews 4:12 says the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, and Matthew 24:35 says heaven and earth will uh, disappear but my word will by no means disappear, and when people ask me in public and it's happened frequently hey what's up with your tattoos well oh, thank you very much and more they get the sermon. Right? And if they want to run away, I let them run away. But if they linger at all, I'm gonna do everything I can to angle the gospel message on them and try to reel them in. Right? <clears throat> Mark of the Beast. Uh, people are like, oh you know, tattoos of the devil, you know, and you know, all these different things. I just want to point out that when Jesus Christ returns. It specifically says that he has his name on his leg, and it isn't on his jeans, okay? You know, for some people, that's a sticker. For others, it's actually there on his flesh. I'll tell you this, the Lord marks all those that are his own on their forehead before the Antichrist then causes everyone to worship him and put a mark on their their hand or on their forehead the devil's imitating the lord when he does that right i'm not encouraging you all to go get tattoos uh you know it it is a personal thing i just think there's a bunch of people that are way hung up on a thing that they shouldn't be you know it's, it's it's really i'm getting a new body i don't know about you Right? there's a whole bunch of scars that are going to be done away with when I get in the presence of the Lord. Right now, the scars I have inflicted upon myself are in an effort to win souls to Christ. I want people to, I want people to ask me questions. I want to share the gospel with them. So, anyway, in this whole, uh, you know, aspect of thing, they, they're going to make everyone have this mark. Uh, And that's going to be the money system pointed out this morning that I don't know. I got to go back and read. Apple has instituted the palm print for pay. And I don't know, uh, having read it, if they're describing the account, your Apple account, or if they're doing Apple Pay that way, or if you're paying in Apple stores. Uh, the little bit of research that I did is uh, it's an infrared reader and it's reading the vein patterns in your in your hand. So you don't even have to get a mark. It's just that you're paying with your hand uh, in that setting. Uh, is that the mark of the beast? No. So you know I don't I don't know. Uh, it's definitely again it's a precursor. It's preparing people for the idea uh, of accepting this. You know, is that how it's going to be specifically? I have no idea. It, it may be um, it may be something much more primitive. Um, we think of all these technologies right now. Um, I think it was General Patton that said, I do not know all of the weapons that will be used in World War III. I do know what weapons will be used in World War IV. And he just left it at that later when questioned he said the nuclear arsenal we have prepared for world war 3 is going to reduce the world to cavemen <laughs> we're going to we're going to be fighting with bows and arrows and rocks and sticks when we're done is the technology for the mark of the beast going to be some huge advancement or is the world going to be reduced to a very primitive place and you have to swear your allegiance and be marked you know, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. I know we're being conditioned to accept this concept that you have to have a mark in order to pay. You're going to pay with your hand or you're going to pay with your forehead. So it's an interesting thing to consider uh, where we are. Um, Israel being alone in the last days. That's happening. They're being abandoned. The United States is abandoning them. It's happened over and over again. Uh, there's a, I should have looked at the name of the ship. Uh, maybe some of you guys, your historian buffs, know. Um, Israel sank. Um, uh, one of our ships uh, is a spy vessel. And uh, <clears throat> rather than using any encryption, uh, as they were at war, uh, we're doing all this surveillance, and we're just broadcasting on an open mic what they're doing and where they're going and where their troops and where their airplanes and where their tanks are. And Israel warns us three times and then puts a torpedo through the hull. Okay. <clears throat> you, you can't have anybody. It doesn't matter if they're your friend, your ally or your enemy broadcasting for everyone to listen, what you're doing with your military. They're in act, they're, they were engaged in active warfare and we're totally betraying them, telling the whole world what they're doing. So they sank the ship. And, um, You know, now we try to say things like, oh, it wasn't our ship. It was the British ship. You know, it's just some, you know, ship we got from the British British that we were using with the British. Anyway, you understand what I'm saying? The betrayal of Israel has happened over and over and over again. At times, we're much better friends and much better allies with them. And you turn the clock a little bit and we're betraying them like nobody's business. And uh, presently, we're betraying them like nobody's business, you know, particularly the issue with israel uh, and uh, iran Zechariah chapter 12 verse 3 it shall happen in the that day that i will make jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples all who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces though all nations of the earth are gathered against it right not not just as some imply standing at a distance and doing nothing but actually gathered against it. So uh, that that's not an unthinkable thing to consider. A lot of questions coming up about Ezekiel 38 and 39. People have been sending me emails and asking me questions before and after church, um, <clears throat> particularly the invasion of Gog and Magog. Um, so, you know, we see these things uh, developing, Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, the invasion from the north by Gog and Magog. Um, it's it's very easy to see, uh, you know, uh, Gog. Uh, it was Hal Lindsay that actually found the reference in the Septuagint that referred to Gog, the Lord of the Flies. So we know um, from uh, Jesus and other teachings that Gog is the devil. And then you add that whole concept of the Lord of the Flies, and it's a great confirmation. Uh, So the spiritual entity that will inspire Magog, which is uh, Russia, uh, the spiritual uh, conjoining there, uh, to come down out of the north, uh, particularly with Iran, Turkey, Sudan, uh, Libya, uh, join other forces and attack the nation of Israel with the intent of annihilation. And in particular, Well, all of those nations. Uh, Turkey has really been just cranking things up for like the last five years, um, becoming more and more radical in uh, their Islamic position and their views and their rhetoric and drawing nations to themselves uh, with that same venom for Israel. Uh, An absolute annihilation. So not punishment or drive them out of the land or you know, treat them poorly, or they they want them to cease to exist. Uh, so uh, Russia, uh, Iran, inspired by Turkey, Sudan, and Libya, joining forces coming down out of the north uh, to uh, destroy them. Uh, the um, statements that are made in ezekiel thirty nine beginning at verse twelve about the contamination of the battlefield uh, is really intriguing. Uh, to me. For seven months, the house of Israel will be uh, burning them in order to cleanse the land. The bodies will just be uh, set in mounds and set on fire. Indeed, all the peoples of the land will bury and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed. So this is uh, the only place, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, In any ancient writings where the cleanup of a battlefield is described and it's the only place in any ancient writings where it talks about uh, paid specific paid employees who will handle the cleanup and their methodology what's really interesting as I read through this um, snippets of what is contained here uh, come directly from our United States a field guide on cleaning up uh, chemical and nuclear battlefields, how to handle the bodies and uh, the circumstances. Particularly, I'll read uh, the men who are employed um, handle them in specific ways. Those that are not employed who find remains are not to touch them. Uh, They're to mark them and then report it to the individuals who are specifically paid. I mean, that's right out of our handbooks in the military as to how to handle bodies that have been contaminated on nuclear warfare or high-grade chemical warfare battlefields. So it's it's kind of an interesting thing described by Ezekiel uh, 39, continuing at verse 13. Indeed, all the people of the land will bury, and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party, to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search. The search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees a man's bones, they shall set up a, a marker on it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. So, it's, it's an interesting uh, description uh, there. Um Zechariah chapter 14 seemingly describing the same battle and battlefield uh, doesn't have much of the the cleanup description. But it specifically says uh, that uh, this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will dissolve while they stand on their feet. So remember back in Ezekiel 39 that I just read you. They're only doing this for seven months, and it says when they find the bones of these individuals. So it's sort of really not possible to think that someone would die, and in seven months their, bo- their their skeleton would be stripped perfectly clean. So here, Zachariah is saying that their flesh will dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. It shall come to pass in that day that a great... Panic from the Lord will be among them. Everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand. So they're going to fight against uh, one another. The um, hydrogen bomb is, uh, there are some others that do this, but the hydrogen bomb in particular, uh, destroying anything that's biological. So as sick and sinister as it is, detonate this thing, everything that's like, You know, soft, organic is incinerated, but you have all the infrastructure left when you're done. You have uh, the city and the streets and the bridges and all the stuff. So, um, you know, is that what we're going to say? We'll we'll find out. Uh, Again, uh, we'll be watching from the mezzanine and, uh, you know, just get to experience these things. So uh, this destruction, consider uh, uh, Russia and uh, Turkey, Iran... And Sudan and Libya, um, the strongholds of Islam, okay, gone all at once. That might allow Israel to rebuild its temple, right? If, if you got rid of the most radical forces, and and let me be clear, if God got rid of the most radical forces of Islam, it it might make it much more sensible, right? Because right now. It really doesn't matter who shows up on the scene as Antichrist and says, I hereby declare Israel can rebuild its temple. Uh, you, you'll probably hear the rifle crack immediately after that, right? And that person would drop dead because Islam is not going to let Israel build their temple on that mound. It's not going to happen. If you get rid of radical Islam, as we're now calling it, you know, the most uh, you know, vehement bloodthirsty, um, you could fairly easily build the, the temple in Israel. So th- that's something uh, to consider in the great picture of, of all of this. Um, the peace that we see uh, created in the Middle East in recent years, Donald Trump and otherwise, uh, is very reflective of the, the peace that Antichrist is going to develop. It's going to be thin and it's going to be short-lived. Um you know, you can make certain agreements, but in the end, Antichrist is going to turn right around and do what he wants. Just so we're clear, Pakistan, India, Russia, and China, all nuclear uh, nuclear weapons, which is a frightening concept. Uh, add soon-to-be Iran to that, and you've got an incredibly volatile uh, Middle East. I quoted Benjamin Netanyahu this morning. He was questioned about this recently, not the prime minister anymore, but uh, he was questioned about because uh, Joe Biden is revitalizing, reviving the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, His response, I I quoted him this morning, was terrible Iran deal. That was his first response, (laughs) three three words, (laughs) really interesting. He followed that up a moment later by saying even worse than the original." That's hard to conceive of, that uh, what's being developed right now is, is worse than what was originally developed by Barack Obama. Um, Syrian attacks, we bombed some Syrian targets recently, and interestingly enough, we bombed them because we said that they were Iranian sites inside uh, um, Syria. So that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, consideration within it all. In that, it always comes up in my mind, uh, Damascus. And the fact that Isaiah 17, one said the burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city and it will be a ruinous heap. It is the oldest city in the world and it has never been a ruinous heap. Uh, so there are some things left to be filled. It's quite destroyed presently. Uh, the world has worked pretty hard on that for the past decade, but um, you know we still have some things to uh, be fulfilled ahead of us. So, uh, just want to remind us in the midst of this whole thing of our hope, right? First Thessalonians four verses sixteen through eighteen. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Caught up is the word harpazo, which becomes translated into uh, the raptus in Latin, which becomes the English word rapture. So that is where we get the word rapture in the scripture. So for the critics that want to say, oh, uh, rapture is a relatively new invention, it's not even written in the Bible. Darby, you know, put this idea forward and, you know, now just these modern authors are making, um, you know, lots of money off the concept of the rapture. The church really needs to get over itself. I've heard all the arguments. I'll one more time recommend that you go to Tommy Ice website and uh, probably the most extensive research on uh, rapture, particularly regarding uh, the first 100 years of the church. Um, Tommy has in his possession uh, scrolls, parchments, books uh, that contain there, not first copies, but they are in direct line with the originals that specifically say that the church was undoubtedly only looking for the return of Jesus Christ. And they had developed the concept and the teaching the early church leaders said if anyone comes into the church and does not teach the immediate return of Jesus Christ, they are a heretic and they need to be put out of the church. So from the very beginning, the church has taught the rapture. This is not a new concept. Has the church sort of ebbed and flowed out of the urgency? Well, I I hate to beat up on the Catholic church one more time, But the incorrect teachings of Roman Catholicism almost entirely are what has caused the church to drift away from this concept, right? They didn't know the scripture. They didn't teach the scripture. When they found things about it, they insisted they were confused and muddled and shouldn't be taught by their priests. It was only when the church got the Bible back in their hands that they were astonished with, hey, it's actually right. And we should all be living according to this. So the rapture is something that the Scripture is taught and the Church is taught continuously. You know, are there things in Church history that the Church has done that they shouldn't have done without question? Right? You know, there was a period of time briefly where the Church, because of what Paul said in reference to what the pagans were doing, they misunderstood it and they started baptizing for the dead. So, you know, your Aunt Sally passes away and she wasn't baptized and she got converted on her deathbed. So you go get baptized on on Aunt Sally's behalf. You know, when Paul said, otherwise, why are they baptized for the dead? He was referring to the pagans and their pagan practices. And because they didn't read the scripture, didn't know the scripture, they develop an ungodly practice within the church. And then when they're taught correctly, they quit. They realize hey, that's incorrect, and they abandon the concept. We've we've had over and over things that creep into the church, uh, mostly through false teachers and ignorance, that uh, end up getting purged out of the church. So, um, I think uh, that the rapture of the church is going to be one of the greatest contributing factors to um, one world money, one world religion. Was it, you know there's going to be a massive power vacuum and. You know, to restore order. Uh, probably all of you have spent a fair amount of time studying uh, what the Patriot Act did to destroy our rights, right? Uh, we have one cataclysmic event occur, and I don't mean to play it down or diminish it. It was, it was earth shattering, right? Those of us that uh, experienced it know it was mind numbing the degree to which it changes. Well, we just gave up our rights. You know, without question, you know, uh, president steps forward and says, we got to make changes, and they make changes. And years later, we're realizing, hey, <laughs> I don't want these changes. I don't want to lose the rights. I don't want the invasion of my privacy that uh, everybody signed off on. Vacuum out right now. Remarkable to think about. Um, you know, let's, let's say 100% of the people who claim to be Christians are Christians, right, because it's all about the grace of God. That's 2.2 billion people on planet Earth, right? So depending on who you listen to, uh, where are we right now? 8 billion, some are saying closer to 9 billion uh, people on the Earth. You reduce the Earth's population by 2.2 billion, if in fact that's you know a sincere and accurate number. Uh, add the death that follows with all of that. Uh, just that many missing people is going to create a lot of death You know, who's going to distribute food? Who's going to fly airplanes? What about all the airplanes that were being flown by Christians? You know, I suspect those didn't land well, right? You know, there's going to be a number of things, you know, 18-wheelers on the highway doing 75 miles an hour that suddenly don't have a driver are going to create catastrophes. Power vacuum, step in, antichrist, cease control, one world money, one world religion, you know, uh, one world government, possibly. So consider how that might all play out. Um, think about the fact that most of these predictions that I'm giving you and the ones that are going to follow 2,500, 2,700 years ago, and we're seeing them transpire in in front of us, particularly uh, Jesus teaching again, all of it, discourse, Matthew chapter 24, Beginning at verse 32, most of us are familiar with it. I, I, I think I've taught this before, but I have a uh, a slightly different slant on it, and I don't mean that in like some false teaching way. I just um, we we've all heard this teaching so many times that uh, you you sort of uh, make assumptions about like oh that's that prophecy, and I know what that means. So consider this, right? Jesus speaking now. Learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So for a long time, the most common teaching about this, which I hold to, by the way, and I'm not contradicting, so don't get scared. I'm not creating something new here. The most common teachings pertain to Israel, right? The fig tree, when you see it put forth its leaf and it buds, you know, 1948, Israel becomes a nation for a second time. Oh, this generation will not pass away till all these things fulfilled. You know, there's a whole bunch of people that were standing around going, well, you know, 48 to 88 is, uh, you know, 40 years. So literally books were being written, Right. You know, 88 Reasons why Jesus, why Jesus Christ Will Return in 1988. Interesting that the author immediately launched his next book and published uh, 89 Reasons Why Jesus Christ Won't Be Late in 1989 when, when he didn't return. I'm not making that up. That's, he literally did that. Um, you know, and then, okay, well, oh, we're sorry, 40, 40 years of generation. Um, More likely it was 70 years. 70 years is a generation. We're talking about the people and their lifespan, you know, and then the next group comes along and says, well, actually, you know, the Lord himself said that Israel was going to be captive inside Egypt uh, for four generations and they were there for 400 years. So it must be 100 years. So the generation must be 100 years. Uh, Well, what do we know, you guys, about people setting dates, right? You you pretty much need to get done to listening to them, whoever they are. If you know, no man shall know the hour nor the day. We we all embrace that concept. So I I embrace the concept that this may pertain to Israel and God may be going to fulfill these things in that way. But there's actually a a better understanding of this. So if you read this. Just a little bit differently. Learn the parable from the fig tree. Your mind doesn't need to, in this case, immediately flash to Israel. Just think fig tree, right? When its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Just talking seasonally, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Beginning of the year, we see the pink haze in all the trees. Right? Cambium membrane has thawed you know, uh, glucose is beginning to move up and down underneath the bark layer and bring nutrient to the buds, and you know, to the roots and from the roots and from the buds and everything's coming alive. And we get excited, right? Oh, spring is on the way, right? You know, those have, that haven't lived here and endured winters, right? My son-in-law Moose from Southern California arrives here and like, it's all a mystery to him. He's not experienced all of that. Now, I said to James, God bless him. He's probably watching. When he first moved here, like, now when winter comes, have you driven in the snow? Do you understand what that's like? And he says with this strong confidence, oh, yeah, uh, I'm all set. And I think, like, how? Like, you're from Southern California. You grew up 40 minutes east of San Diego. Like, how have you experienced driving? Maybe you went to, you know, Northern California. And so I finally say, how do you know how to drive on snow and ice? You know, I'm being... You know, the intrusive father-in-law, daughter, grandchild. Like, how do you know how to? He goes, oh, I've driven on sand. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly the same, right? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, uh, you know, God bless you, James. Um, I, uh, you know, we sometimes uh, think uh, that we, we know how things are. These people come here, they don't understand what it means, what we're seeing in the developing spring, right? You guys seen foliage already? have you seen trees turning already god's telling you get your wood pile stacked right right now don't wait get ready for winter right 89 inches of snow is on its way as you know what he's telling you you know some of you raise your eyebrows average snowfall in may 68 inches right we're all aware of this okay we get feet of snow you know average snowfall in kentucky where i'm going is 11 inches so you know i whatever i don't I'm, i've burned all my car hearts what do i care um so, the point being when you see the obvious signs of seasonal change you know what's coming so if we s- stick to that simpler understanding right i'm not throwing away the concept of israel i'm just saying. Sticking to that similar. you know, summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. When you read through Matthew chapter 24 and you're seeing Jesus describe all the things you're having, know that his return is at the door, right? I know I'm I'm repetitive and you're sick of it. But if you invite somebody over for dinner, right? I do that all the time, talking to people. Hey, let's have dinner. Okay, we're going to have dinner. You know, I'll ask Lori, get a date there, have dinner. If they're coming over, I need to ask them. She needs to ask them, guys, like gluten intolerant. Do you eat dairy? Are you are you totally vegan? You know, because we're basically carnivorous. So how do you know how do we ha- if you're coming over? How do we handle this? You know, and are the kids coming? You know, do you travel with your dog? You know, you got questions about guests that are gonna arrive at your house. And then my wife begins to like, if we're gonna have guests at our house, like much better just go out to eat, grab McDonald's, I don't know what, but you're gonna clean the whole house. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you have to clean your whole house if you're gonna have guests over. From stem to stern, from top to bottom. This involves a toothbrush, right? You're gonna clean and prepare and then she does this whole thing about seasonal settings and like oh these that we're going to use these plates we're going to do that, and we'll have this tablecloth i mean, just you know I don't know it's different to me but anyway so you know when when the knock comes at the door that is not the time for me to say to her i wonder if they eat dairy right the preparation all needs to be done beforehand So that when they're at the door, this is what Jesus is saying. If you can look outside and see the the change of the seasons and know, I need to prepare myself. Especially when it's life-threatening. You know, you don't have any oil in the tank, you don't have any wood for winter, you are unprepared for winter, right? If, If that is the case, it could literally damage you, kill you. Potentially in certain environments, you need to be prepared for the season. So it is with the coming of Christ. When he's at the door, that's not the time to say, now, um, should I stop, you know, sinning in all these areas? Should I live like a Christian? Things should have been prepared beforehand, taken care of beforehand. Jesus sets that warning out. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away all these things take place the generation that sees all these signs culminating right if you have seen one or two trees start to change its leaves and then more trees and then the rvs start arriving right clogging up route three buying up all the campsites on the island all the trees have changed you see big Peak foliage, your eyes are just popping out of your head, and you're stopping as a local who's lived here most of your life, taking pictures. You can't believe that one area. Then the first rainstorm and the big windstorm, and a whole bunch are off. And then that second wave comes, and it's kind of. And you say to people, "We're a little past peak, you know." And then it's completely gone, and it's just skeletal trees standing up there, no leaves at all. And now it's been long enough that the trees. The shed their leaves on the ground are all brown and gray. They don't even contain that true color uh, from them at all. And the chill sits in the air and the frost is on all the puddles and it is hard ice on certain mornings, right? Thanksgiving is close and you're thinking, I wonder if we're going to see snow before you know Thanksgiving or if it's going to be closer to Christmas or... That's not time to get your oil tank filled up. That's not time. All those signs culminating together are telling you what season you are in. You see all these signs coming together that Jesus is describing about the end. It's not time to get ready. It's time to be ready and be inviting your friends and your family and your neighbors to prepare themselves. Right? You look over at your neighbor's place and they've still got all their summer lawn furniture out and their air conditioners are hanging out of their windows. And you like, are you getting ready for winter? Because it's coming. So it is with Christ's return. The generation that sees these signs collectively, they're not going to pass away before they're fulfilled. That's kind of freaky when you consider what's going on in our world right now. One sign come, another one comes, and now it's just rapid fire. And now it's it's like it doesn't even say Portland anymore. It's just saying exit five, exit three. It's, you know, say so you're in that. We're in that setting where things are happening this way. And we need to live with this urgency. Now, I want to give you, we've just got a few more minutes, but I want to give you a couple of things. Because we often get that concept of no man will know the hour nor the day. And people preach that really hard. And that's the truth. That is the truth. You know, I've been in proximity to cult leaders. And they all want to start setting dates and talking about different things. And I'm not there at all. But I want to give us the understanding that we can be very watchful, very ready, very informed. Comes straight out of Luke chapter 21. All red letters in my Bible. Jesus speaking Only. Luke 21, verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. Uh, when you're seeing these things, it's not fearful. It's not worrisome. You're not uninformed. It's close at hand. That's hopeful, expected. The bus is arriving. Right? It's, it's time for us uh, to be on the ready. Uh, A couple more, Isaiah, uh, I'm building the point, stay with me. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, for when they say peace and safety. Now, for all of my youth that was taught uh, in a different way, you know, oh, the hippies are all saying peace, you know. And they're looking for peace and trying to generate peace. Uh, you know, uh, we've been through a few phases. Right now, all of us are crying for peace. Are you kidding me? The violence is in our neighborhoods. It used to be consolidated to faraway places that were incredibly evil and scary. You know, you didn't walk in the alleys in New York City, right? I mean. Now it's, it's backwoods, backwater, Maine. These things are happening. People are literally murdering one another around us in the most frightening ways for the most frightening reasons. The, the evil has spread. So we're all crying peace and safety. Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, here it is, brethren, are not in the dark, right? They have it come upon them as a thief in the night. We're not in the dark so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and the sons of day. We are not of the night, not of darkness. We're not ill-informed. Everything that I'm telling us is to tell us we can know where we are. And we can have a bright, happy, joyful, hopeful expectation of what lies ahead of us. We do not have to read the book of Revelation and have shuddering fear. This, this is our king. This is strange as it is to say, our brother, Jesus, right? Our father, Jesus. How He's coming to get us. He loves us. He's, he, he, is, he doesn't have wrath in store for us. The world is gonna experience it and they are gonna be caught wildly off guard. We are not. Uh, So don't have that mindset about how the Lord is going to develop these things. I'm gonna skip over a number of things uh, there. Um, Well, and that also, we're out of time. Um, Israel, stuff that's going on there right now is really disconcerting. Uh, the Muslims and the way they want to destroy them, the way the world is uh, turning against them. Uh, I think of all the things in the book of Nehemiah and those that wanted to discourage them from building and discourage them from being. And then they try to join the club and be part of the building in order to, you know, thwart the work. All the nonsense that's going on. Israel is a sure sign of where we are. Uh, You know, a number of things, quotes, uh, just to put uh, forward in regard to all of this. Um, Against Israel, uh, Joseph Goebbels, the uh, propaganda minister for Adolf Hitler. He is the one, just as a general sense of propaganda and what we're experiencing in the whole world regarding Israel and otherwise. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be ma- maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or mili- military consequences of the lie. This is a remarkable statement Goebbels is putting forth. He continues, it thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its power to repress dissent, so you can't speak out against the government, uh, for The truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. That is a wild statement to consider where we are and how Facebook and Twitter and all these things are censoring what we can say and what we communicate. Truth has been banned. And it is being banned by the government. Uh, Facebook, uh, Zuckerberg saying this week, that the FBI came to them and told them, you can't share anything about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. So so who knows if that's true, right? The the lies continue. Israel's existence, the world wants to spread lies and destroy them. Um, Again, I'm just randomly going through things I've collected. When peace comes, we will perhaps in time be able to forgive the Arabs for killing our sons. This is... Golda Meir, uh, making this statement in her autobiography, she continues by saying, but it will be harder for us to forgive them for having forced us to kill their sons. Peace will come when the Arabs will love their children more than they hate us. Remarkable statement in uh, where we stand in time. Um, Joe Biden's weakness has emboldened North Korea, Iran, China, Russia, uh, the Taliban in Afghanistan, and uh, many others. Um, so, um, you know, you, you consider uh, everything that's developing around us, the um, way that our kids are experiencing things in school, um, the media, censorship, government decline. I mean, can you really trust the next election? You know, who knows? The stuff that is happening around us. Uh, I just want to close with a couple of thoughts here, right? your Father in heaven. So, uh, we need to be those people who are preserving the world. We are salting things to keep them from decaying, putting truth, putting God's Word into people's lives, ears, and our society. Light, illuminating, showing where things are. And also, light keeps decay and a lot of things from growing and developing. So, That is our job. This is what we need to do. Um, There is a ton of stuff. Uh, The focus, we're close to Christ's return. Uh, Summary, you know it. (laughs) Lastly, be salt and light. Serve the world. Serve your king. Bring the truth. Bring these situations. You're not a big, boisterous speaker. Have quiet conversations with one person at a time. Open your mouth. Share a cup of coffee. Bring Jesus Christ and his kingdom into people's hearts. You know, Be bold enough to be used by your master. Amen? Amen. So, um, I know there's a ton more stuff, but that's all the time John would let me have tonight. So, um, will you stand and we'll pray? Oh. Father, we are grateful for your love, grateful for your word, grateful for your predictions. Help us to be men and women that live by them, that use them, that share them with others. May your kingdom come and your will be done in us and through us and by us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.